All right, good morning, Emmaus, if you would. Take your Bible and open to Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10, we have reached, I know it's just chapter 10, but this final vision in Daniel goes 10, 11, and 12. One vision, this is going to be our final week in the book of Daniel. Now, you might be asking yourself, are three chapters too many for a sermon? And the answer would be, probably so. Uh, But we will find out afterward, okay? So uh, three chapters for a sermon doesn't necessarily mean three times as long. It just means I want to take this final vision as it's given to us in Scripture, as one overall set of the Bible. And I think it's the time to wrap this up with Daniel. God's led us through this study. It's been so enjoyable just to do the research and to present and for us to learn and receive as a church. And then next week, we have the mission celebration And then to start something fresh after that. So we're going to wrap up Daniel this morning with Daniel 10, 11, and 12. I'll tell you up front, we're not going to read every verse between 10, 11, and 12. But I want to take you through these chapters. And this morning, I hope and pray that you would see the importance of us having a fresh touch from the Lord. To be able to see God's power at work in our lives, to see what God is doing in the world and what he wants to do in your life. So this last week, um, I was sitting in the living room, and I know not everybody has been into the Olympics as much this year for various reasons, you know, time change, and our family is in so deep on the Olympics. Like, we've watched an unbelievable amount of of television, just loved loved every minute of it. It's been a lot of fun. So I was sitting in the the, uh, living room, and, and I thought Bennett our son was in his room working on his Millennium Falcon uh, Lego set. I thought he was in there doing that. He comes out into the living room. And he says, Dad, I want to show you something. Now, Bennett loves magic. And so he shows him this card, and he shakes his hand. Card flat out disappears. I'm like, where, where did the card go? He's like, it was a trick. I'm your dad. You don't make things disappear in the house. Like, this is not okay. Like, we cannot be making things disappear on a regular basis. Like, in this moment, you've got to show me where this card went. And so he showed me what happened. It's amazing when you see a trick like that happen, and then someone shows you what happens behind the scenes, and you're like, oh, of course. I see what's going on on there. I saw one thing. Something else was going on. Now I understand. In this final vision that Daniel receives here, he is overwhelmed by life. And I want to tell you something you already know. When we live in a chaotic world, and when we're overwhelmed with life, oftentimes we don't see clearly as we should. Life feels fuzzy, it feels out of control, it feels like everything's swirling, it feels like things are disappearing, we don't know what's going on. And God, in his mercy, in his grace, provides these visions, these revelations, so that we're able to see what is happening. And so my hope, as you go through Daniel 10, 11, and 12 this morning, you would see more clearly how God is at work in the world, and specifically, you would see more clearly how God is at work in your life, because he absolutely is. Daniel chapter 10, verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar. And the word was true. And it was a great conflict. It it, it was about warfare. 
and he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. Now here from the beginning, let's understand what it means that this was in the third year of Cyrus and what's going on in, in Daniel's life at this point. At this point, Cyrus, the king of the Persians, has come in and defeated the Babylonians. They are in position to begin returning. God's people are in a position to begin returning from exile to the promised land. They're going to go back and rebuild the temple and rebuild the city. And it's a time that this can begin happening. But some of the people aren't really ready to go back. They've kind of fallen in love with Babylon. It's not so bad here. Yeah, maybe they worship other gods, but they're still here. They're still doing these things. Maybe. It's a matter of Daniel continues to see war in the world. Things don't seem to be happening the way that he thought they would happen. Things are not happening as quickly as Daniel thought that they were supposed to be happening. And we all know when life doesn't move at the speed we expect it to, or when life doesn't move at the speed we want it to, it's easy for us to think, God, are you still at work? Are, are you still happening here? I need this to happen now, and it's not happening What's going on here? So what does Daniel do in response? Verse two, in those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. Uh, now, the word anoint in that verse, it has to do with living in a dry climate and putting on lotion. Um, but it also has to do with just taking a bath or, or cleaning yourself. So, kids, yes, for three weeks, Daniel did not take a bath because he was in such mourning. Now, many of you go three weeks just in regular life, probably, and, and don't take a bath. Daniel goes for three weeks here, doesn't eat any delicacies, any meat, doesn't partake of anything going on, and doesn't take a bath or anoint his skin with any type of lotion. Why? Because Daniel is broken over what he sees in the world around him. Daniel is broken over what he sees in the people of God and how they're responding. Daniel is broken over his own life. And friends, we need to be broken over what we see in the world. We desperately need a fresh touch from God. We need God's spirit to move in a way that only he can move. And many times, if we're not careful, we just keep moving through life day after day, day after day, in this situation, God has gotten Daniel's attention, and he is broken. And here's the way we're trying to address this as a church family. We are in the middle of a season of 40 days of prayer here at Emmaus. As you're exiting today, leaving the lobby, off to the side on a table, there's a basket that has some booklets in there. If you haven't picked up one of those and you would like to have one of those prayer booklets, pick that up. I'm sending out every morning another email update. If we don't have your email address, just write it on that card in the seat back in front of you. Even if you're just a guest of ours this morning and you would still like to have that, that email, we're in the middle of a 40 days of prayer because we are asking God to do a fresh work in our church. And in the middle of this 40 days of prayer, can I just ask you to pray, to take this seriously. Those emails aren't meant to be profound. They're not long devotions. What they are meant to do is to draw us as a church to God's word and to seeking after God's power in our lives. And we have to take this seriously, that God would do a work in our lives. I'm not telling you to skip a bath for three weeks, <laughs> but I am calling you to pray, and I am calling you to seek God's power for our lives and for our church.
What happens in verse five, or verse four? Daniel says, on the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, here's where he sees something for the first time. I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Euphaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. Daniel was prepared to see God at work, and he sees him in this way. Maybe not God himself appearing, it seems to be an angelic appearance, but it's definitely the presence of God and the power of God. A great trembling fell upon the people with Daniel, and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. Look at verse 10. If you underline in your Bible, if you highlight in your Bible, draw circles, mark verse 10. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. In this moment, Daniel is desperate for the touch of God, for a fresh touch of God on his life. And I believe that many of you, many of you are here this morning because you are desperate for a fresh touch from God. You are going through something in your family, you're going through something in your life, you look at the world around us and you know that things are not right, and you are saying, God, I need to see you at work. I am desperate for a fresh touch of God in my life. And friends, that is exactly what we're asking God to do here. What happens when you go through a dry season? What happens when you grow distracted with your faith? Or you would be embarrassed to tell somebody else, but, but you're starting to doubt aspects of faith, and you've backed away from the church, and you've gotten the, out of the habit of engaging with God's word, and you're struggling right now. And you need a fresh touch from God. What happens in verse 11? What do you find God doing in verse 11? He said to me, man, that's a good phrase. When God touches our lives, he speaks his word into our lives. He said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understanding the words that I speak to you, stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Daniel needs to be reminded that he is loved by God. You may be here this morning, and you would describe your life in a lot of ways, but loved by God would not be one of the ways you would describe your life this morning. And you just need to be reminded by God that he is at work in your life, that he loves you, that he has saved you, that he has called you to himself, and that he wants to work in your life. And as Daniel experiences this, he hears the word of the Lord spoken through this angel. Here's the first note. If you're taking notes this morning, here's the first point I want to make to you. We need the word of God and the Spirit of God. When we live in a world of chaos, when your life feels dry, when your Christian life feels boring, when you feel overwhelmed by circumstances around you, what do you need? You need to hear a fresh word from the Lord, and you need a fresh touch of God's power. He provides both of those for Daniel. Now, if he just provides his power without his word, Daniel could run off a hundred different directions into false teaching, false ideas about God. If he just provides his word, 
but doesn't provide his power, his spirit, there's no power behind that word. Here's the danger for the lives that many of us live and the churches that we grew up in and many of you students have grown up in church and you've been around the block a long time, going to Sunday school, going to church. If we're not careful, we slip into a form of Christianity where we still hold to the word of God, but we have completely forgotten what it feels like to experience the power of God in our life. And we have people showing up to church week after week after week who know all the answers in their head, but it has been a long time since they felt the touch of God in their heart. It's been a long time since they were excited about the things of God. It's been a long time since they've seen God transform their life in a powerful way. It's been a long time since they've called out to God in prayer and seen him answer. Friends, do not settle for a powerless Christianity because that is a fake Christianity. We need the word of God, the truth of God, and we absolutely need the power of God, the spirit of God at work in our lives. And in Emmaus, we are gonna hold on to both of those because we know from God's word, Isaiah chapter six, Isaiah's understanding of God's glory and holiness, Ezekiel 37, the valley of the dry bones that are lifted up. Every time in scripture, when God works among his people, he works by his word and by his spirit together. And if you're here this morning, hear me out on this. I don't want to belabor this, but I, I need you to hear this. If you're just showing up, if you know the answers in your head, and maybe you repeated a prayer a long time ago about salvation, but you don't know what it is for God to change your life from the inside out, this morning, take a close look at your heart. Have I ever trusted in Jesus for salvation? Have I experienced the power of God in my life? And if not, this morning, come for prayer at the end. This morning, right where you are, call out to God, God, I need a fresh touch of your power in my life this morning. I need you, I am desperate for this. What happens next? What does God allow to happen in Daniel's life after he calls out for this? Watch what happens. We're gonna skip down to verse 20. So from verse 11 through verse 19, you see two more times God's word and God's spirit at work. So we've established that, God's word and God's spirit. We need both. Watch what happens in verse 20. He said, do you know why I've come to you, Daniel? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. Now this type of language was used back in verse 13, so we skipped over it, but we've already seen this language. I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come what in the world is he talking about there? Here's what he's talking about. In these conflicts that are happening, these wars that are happening among these various nations and people groups, Daniel is receiving a vision that says behind that war that's happening here on earth, there are spiritual realities at work. When you see a war on earth, it is not just a human war. There are spiritual realities being reflected that go beyond anything that we can see with our visible eyes. And if that freaks you out, that's okay because the Bible should get our attention every once in a while. We just get into the flow of life and we just think, oh, everything's just happening. Friends, there is a spiritual dimension to life that we need the help of God's spirit to be able to see and understand because if not, everything we do is focused right here. Verse 21, I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. 
There is none who contends by my side against these forces except Michael, your prince, referring to an angelic, angelic prince there. Now, if you look closely at chapter 11 in your Bible, it goes for a while. <laughs> so if you look, you're going to have to scroll down in your phone for a while or flip a few pages. It goes all of, how many verses? 45 verses in chapter 11. What's going on in chapter 11? In chapter 11, Daniel receives a prophecy ahead of time about what's going to develop in history at this time. And it's going to take us all the way from the time of Alexander the Great. Students, you're about to go back to school, so here it is. History, Alexander the Great, all the way down to the time of Antiochus IV, who began to lead this rebellion against the Jewish people. It is a time of chaos and wars on a global level, and Daniel is seeing this prophecy unfold. Why does he get this prophecy? Because God wants to remind Daniel, when he sees wars happening out in the world, that does not mean that God has lost control. When you see wars and hear rumors of wars, when you see people battling against one another, when you see political groups falling apart, when you just watch the news on a day-to-day -day basis, chapter 11 is intended to remind you that God has not lost control. Jump ahead to chapter 12, verse 1. Chapter 12, verse 1, what happens? There's our friend Michael again. Chapter 12, verse 1. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble. We are going to go through times of trials and tribulations and difficulties in the world, such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. And yet God reminds us there in 12.1 that his angels, that his powers, the spiritual realities are still at work, still in control. Here's the second thing I want you to see this morning. We must recognize that spiritual warfare is real. I know this is right in the middle of the sermon. It's easy to get distracted. Hear me out on this. We must recognize that spiritual warfare is real. That the world in which we live is not just a physical world. It's not just battles happening randomly in the world. It's not just physical bodies. That we live in a world of spiritual warfare. And when we are able to see that, when we are able to recognize that, it changes the way we go through life. Now, warfare is not the only imagery in the Bible for the Christian life, but hear me out. Some of us, and I'll include myself in this very quickly, when we approach life, we just approach it like a game. It's just a game that we play. It's not that big a deal. Just do your best in life. Make the best decisions you can. If you can make some money, that's great. If you can help some people along the way, that's great. But it's just a game. It's, it's not a game. It's absolutely not a game according to Scripture. There's war. There's war between those who are devoted to the holiness of God and those spiritual forces who are opposed to God and his ways. Now, it's a very unique kind of war because it's not this war between two equal parties. This vision that's given to Daniel is given to say whatever is happening in the world and whatever is happening in your life, God is 100% victorious and in control. And yet that doesn't mean that life is going to be easy. You're going to go through challenges. You're going to see political governments fall apart. You're going to see friends turn against one another. You're going to see families break apart. 
But God's plan has not changed. He remains at work. Where's the hope in that type of idea? Here's where it comes. Look at the middle of verse 1. Here's the good news. Here's the incredible part of everything in Daniel has been leading to this. At that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book of life. Okay, before we jump to the next verse. Daniel is a book in the Old Testament that has been about a group of people sent into captivity, slavery, exile is the word we use. They were sent from their country to Babylon. When they heard about deliverance, <laughs> that they would be delivered or rescued, what did they think about? We get to go home. We're not in slavery anymore. We get to go back to the promised land. But this verse is pointing ahead to another rescue, another deliverance that God will bring. Verse 2. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth, so those who die, many of those shall awake. Now this is a completely different type of deliverance. Now you're not just delivering, delivered from human captors, you're delivered from the slavery of death at this point. Shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. There aren't very many places in the Old Testament where you get a reference to resurrection. But this is one of them. And this is really the core one when you think about the development of Old Testament theology. Here in the Old Testament, we have this promise of resurrection that's going to come true in Jesus' life and ministry. It's gonna be pictured in Blake's life and millions of other people who go down in the water and come up the resurrection, and it's going to be experienced in the future when Jesus returns and the dead are raised. This is a picture of resurrection in this prophecy that Daniel has given. Verse three, those who are wise in this resurrection, who fear the Lord, trust in him, they will shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who turn many to righteousness, many back to God, they will shine forever like stars. And then it said, I got the wording out of, out of order, like the stars forever and ever. Let's get straight to point number three. What do you need to see from Scripture this morning? We must recognize and we must live with an eternal perspective. We don't use this language as directly or as often as we should, but let me just cut straight to the chase. Eternity is 100% real and true. And in eternity, we will ever, we'll either live forever with God in his presence, or we will be forever separated from God in hell, facing the realities of sin and death. There's nothing popular about that. It feels outdated when you say it, but we say it because it's true. And we say it because we love one another. And we say it because there's somebody here this morning that you do not know where you will spend eternity. And I don't stand here as a preacher to speak down to you or to yell at you. I stand here on the word of God to say from Daniel chapter 12, there is eternity and people will spend it with the Lord or apart from the Lord. And this morning, God wants you to see that clearly. He wants you to see that and he wants you to see that he has made a way for you to be with him forever through Jesus who defeated sin and death. And if you struggle with church and you struggle with Christianity, you can hear that and say, but it's so exclusive. It, 
What is incredible about it is that God has made a way for salvation. And if we're not careful, we just live day after day after day making the most of this world and we don't give any thought to eternity. And I'm asking you this morning to give a thought for eternity. Where will you spend eternity? Where is your hope found? Where are you looking for life now and forever? And students, I'm gonna ask you to go back to school with an eternal perspective. I'm gonna ask you to go back to school not trying to get through the day, but your heart will be broken over your friends to think about where is their hope found? What are they living life for? Your main job is not to get through the day or impress anybody or be popular or even get a job. There's something so much more at work. There's a spiritual reality to life that lasts for all of eternity. And if there's anything that I want our church family to be broken over in this 40 days of prayer, it's this. God, who are you calling us to pray for? Who are you calling us to share the gospel with? What do you want to do in our lives when we realize there's an eternal perspective? When we get that, how do we live? This is how the book of Daniel ends. Let's end here and think about, if I have an eternal perspective, how does that impact the way I live? Let's get these verses here. Daniel chapter 12, verse 4. But you, Daniel, shut up the words, not shut up, but close up. Close up the words. Kids, don't say shut up. Uh, Shut up the words, seal the book until the time of the end, Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. People are going to be looking around for all of the right answers for eternity. It's found in this book. It's found in what God has given to Daniel through his word. Verse 5. Then I, Daniel, looked again. So he's going to see another magic trick. He's going to see something here he hasn't seen before. I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others stood, one on this bank of the stream and one on that bank of the stream. And someone said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream, How long shall it be till the end of these wonders? So in other words, how long until these realities get here of resurrection? And I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, times, and half a time. And that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. When you see a time, times, and half a time in Daniel, what it's meant to communicate is something that looks like it's going to last forever, but then is cut short. Have you ever been in the middle of a life experience that you thought would never end? (laughs) Like, this situation is never going to end. It's going to go forever, and then something happens, and it's cut off. This is what God is telling to Daniel. It feels like this is never going to end, but the end will come. I heard but I did not understand. Then I said, oh my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? Verse nine, he said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until that time of the end. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked, they're gonna continue to act wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. And from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away, and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Another symbolic number in Daniel that points to that three-and-a-half-year reality. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days. Three-and-a-half years plus another month-and-a-half. 
In other words, Daniel, you've got a long time to endure in this. And when you think you've reached the end, there's probably going to be a little bit more. Don't worry, I've got it under control. But go your way, verse 13. Go your way till the end, and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. If you want to, I know this is hard if you're in your phone, it works better in a hard copy of the Bible, but if you've got a hard copy of the Bible, and you have a pen, and you turn back to the very first page of Daniel, I want to give you two words that sum up the book of Daniel that we find here at the very end, and they've been there from the very beginning. If you were going to write two words to think about how do I live after studying the book of Daniel, there are two words I would give you faithfulness, and hope. You can sum up the entire book of Daniel with these two words. Faithfulness and hope. Faithfulness means we serve a God who is completely faithful and victorious. He can be trusted. And because he can be trusted, we are called the daily faithfulness. This is just that regular... (laughs) Nine to five, day after day, living for Jesus. Some days are good, some days aren't so good. They're just all, but we just continue to seek after the Lord, faithfully trying to live for the Lord every day. Second word, hope. In the Christian life, you are not called to survive, you're not called to drudgery. You're called to thrive in the life that God has given you through Jesus, that you have resurrection hope, that what you face right now is not the end of the story, that there is power at work through the word of God and the spirit of God that will absolutely transform our lives. And when we call out to the Lord and we are faithful day after day, we will see that living hope that continues to take us into the future. And where does that hope ultimately point? It it points to eternity. That when we trust in Jesus for salvation, we not only have hope now, but we have hope forever. My prayer for you this morning is that you would know that God is at work in the world and he is at work in your life. He is faithful and he's called you to be faithful to him and he has given you hope through the resurrection and that you would live with that hope. Let's go from this place desperate for a fresh touch from God. I want that for your life. I want that for our church. I want to pray for you about that right now. And after I pray, we're going to sing a final song. We'll be dismissed after this song. During this song, if you've never trusted in Jesus for salvation, if you don't know where you would spend eternity, we want to pray with you, either during the song or after the service. If you've never been baptized and you saw Blake baptized and you said, you know what? I've never done that. I trust in Jesus for salvation, but I've never been baptized. We'd love to talk to you about that. Whatever we can do to pray for you, encourage you, we want to do that. Let me pray for us, and we're going to sing, and we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you for the book of Daniel. It's so hard to know when to wrap up a study like this and how good it has been to to study your word together. But God, as we think about this final vision over these last three chapters, God, I pray that you would use this morning to get our attention, to remind us of eternity, 
to remind us that what we see on the news and what we see in our families and what we see in our workplaces, that's not all there is to life. That there's spiritual warfare, there's a spiritual dimension to life. And God, I pray that that would drive us to trust you. God, I pray for our kids and teenagers and teachers and administrators, support personnel who are getting ready to go back to school. God, send them back to school desperate to see you move. God, these students who are gonna be seniors, God, send them back to school with a desire to live with an eternal perspective. Send them back to pray for their friends. God, I pray that through our church family, that your word and your spirit would so transform us that we would be used to see many people come to know you and trust you. And God, as we've seen this song, as we've seen about the victory we have in Jesus, as we pray together right now, God, help us to trust you together. In Jesus' name, amen.